Hello, and welcome to the Jesus People Podcast. Jesus People is an intentional Christian community in the uptown neighborhood of Chicago. On today's episode, join Sarah Wright and myself, Nathan Cameron, as we interview Andrew Winter about Cornerstone Community Outreach and putting down roots in community. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Jesus People Podcast. I'm Nathan. I'm Sarah. And we are here today going to interview Andrew Winter, who is the CFO of Cornerstone Community Outreach and a longtime member of Jesus People USA. So yeah, it's going to be great. We're going to be talking to him a little bit later in the show. But yeah, so this past week was my birthday and yay! Happy birthday! Um, So I know we've been talking on the podcast about the birthday uh, team project uh, that Sarah has been heading up. Anyway, it was just really cool. It was awesome. Um, it, birthdays in COVID, any sort of celebration in COVID has been weird. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, it was really fun because I got up that morning and there was a cool card on my door and there was a little birthday sign. And um, yeah, and it's just a, an email uh, got sent out, you know, just telling about my birthday. It was a lot of fun. It was good. So thanks, Sarah, for, uh, for putting that together. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of fun for us to make those connections with people because the it wasn't just about celebrating people. It was, uh, you know, also about making people uh, feel seen and valued, um, not just for what they do in community, but for who they are and what mm-hmm. they just the the richness that they bring to community just by being who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it has been really, really awesome to get to connect with people in a way that maybe you didn't get to before. Um, so we've been actually being really intentional about choosing people that we don't know super well um, to be the person to go take their birthday things to them um, yeah. so that we can make that connection. So it's kind of like a, it's like a secret motivation <laughs> behind it too. It's just like, you know, uh, we do have a couple newer members to community on the team. And so for them, it's also a good connecting point. Yeah. Um, well, it's awesome. It was really fun. It was great. Because again, like I said, birthdays and COVID, any sort of celebration in COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a baby in COVID and our baby shower was done over Zoom. And it was just really, it was really sweet though, because we were able to go into one of the living rooms and mm-hmm. a bunch of the ladies had set the living room up, um, you know, brought all the gifts down and brought all the treats and laid them out on a table. And then, uh, I had set up a laptop and got the zoom meeting going. And then we tricked my wife into coming down, uh, to the living room so that she, Oh, she didn't know. You didn't know. We, we planned somehow I was able to plan (laughs) with a couple of people. Like even when she was sitting in the room, like I'd be writing emails, you know, my wife was like, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, working. (laughs) And you know, it's, uh, um, but yeah, no, any sort of celebration in the midst of all this, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's weird, but it's mm-hmm. very much appreciated. Uh, it was really fun. Um, and uh, yeah, and now, my wife. Didn't, didn't they go and like leave treats on the floor, the different floors for people. So you could like go yes. and mm-hmm. you yeah. could still participate, even though yeah. we weren't all in the same room. Yep. Yeah. I thought so, that was really special. Yeah. So they, yeah, they did. They distributed treats all through the house for her, uh, for the baby shower. So people could come and grab some treats, go back to their room and then, you know, hop on zoom and, and 
hang out there. So yeah, no, that was again, you know, just a, a way we love to celebrate in community. We just, you know, and I think because our life is so close together, those moments and those points of celebration are so important, you know, as mm-hmm. much as, um, you know, we walk through difficult things together. Um, what makes us able to walk through those difficult things together is us walking through the joyful things together. And mm-hmm. I think that's so important to keep both of those, um, you know, hand in hand. And so I thank you uh, for um, really making the celebrations uh, in community in the middle of COVID uh, really special and fun. Um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of my week. <laughs> that was, uh, that was the big highlight of my week this week. So for me, um, I am in quarantine uh, because oh, I have so sorry. been in contact with someone who could have been potentially exposed. So rather be safe than sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that just means that I have to work from home, stay put. Uh, I'm learning how to make lots of things in my tiny rice cooker um <laughs> did you know you can make dumplings in your rice cooker like no. i pan, i pan fried them in my little black and decker rice cooker That's last night awesome yeah <laughs> so, just trying not to set off the uh smoke detectors mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah so so that's what i've been up to this week yeah. is uh still haven't cleaned my room <laughs> this square is clean yeah, that's right gonna say. Yeah, all you have to do is just clean the little corner. I didn't right. even bother cleaning. I just put a backdrop up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, no, it's, yeah. So it's interesting that you talk about cooking in our apartments, because um, it's just we in the middle of COVID. You know, uh, we have a wonderful kitchen and a wonderful cooking staff and volunteers who make uh, our meals for us and. Pre- food and we have like all these different things where it's like okay you have certain times a day where you go downstairs and you can pick up you know supplies for yourself and then you know you can keep those for the week and then you know you um and then we have the dinner meal is all prepared uh by our kitchen staff Mm -hmm. but um you know sometimes especially when you're in quarantine and you need to make something and stuff like that people have started doing these makeshift kitchens in their rooms <laughs> and so like at the beginning of quarantine my wife and I we got a little hot plate and you know and so we could make scrambled eggs and whatnot you know pancakes in our apartment and uh over uh uh Thanksgiving uh during Black Friday we got a good deal on a toaster oven and it's like one of those, it's, it's a little fancier toaster oven. It's not just, you know, making toast. It's like got a convection setting and, you know, and it's, it actually bakes things like, you know, my wife makes baked potatoes in there, and, but for my birthday, she actually baked me a pie and it was like, awesome. And I was like, we could just do it in our room. That's crazy. <laughs> so yeah, it's. I, hey, when it comes to holiday baking time and reserving oh, yeah. a kitchen slot for the oven, like yeah. that's going to save you a lot of time. Well, we could only bake about six cookies at a time. Like, I mean, you know, like you have about that much space, <laughs> but you can do know? a pie, you but I can do a pie. pie and loaf of bread. My wife makes cranberry bread too. And so you know, you it's go. like, we're, we're sort of discovering like, okay, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. You know, there are limitations, but it definitely opens the doors. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's been kind of fun, um, uh, fun doing that. So I would highly recommend, uh, you know, especially for the remainder of COVID, maybe even getting a hot plate 
mm-hmm. I don't know about a toaster oven, but at least a hot plate that makes things a lot easier um, yeah. to be able to cook in your room and stuff like that. So, so big news this week, we are actually launching our blog. Um, so it is going to be located on our website. There'll be a little tab at the top that says blog. Um, and a couple times a month, we're going to be releasing um, articles written by people in community about what it's like living in community, um, things going on just like uh, personally or events that are going to be coming up. But our inaugural post is going to be about what it's like living in community. Um, written by Genesis Winters. So that is live, um, should be live by the time you um, are mm-hmm. watching this. Yeah, no, so. absolutely. And and we are interviewing her husband today, Andrew. Yeah. So tie exactly. in, tying <laughs> it all in. Yeah, bringing yeah. it all back together again. Yeah. <laughs> so we're really excited about that. Um, so definitely go check it out. Yeah. Yeah, and there's going to be all kinds of things up on the blog. It's going to be a great way to sort of keep in touch with some of the life that's going on in community and some of the different members uh, and, you know, what they're doing and sort of their thoughts um, and, and ideas of community. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be cool, and I'm really excited for it. Um, yeah, me too. It was a little bit daunting writing for it because I'm just like, mm. oh, this is, it feels so <laughs> official. This feels yeah. so official. But once I got into it, I was like, oh yeah, this isn't, this isn't bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, def- go uh, check out our bios too. There's some fancy ladies and nice. gentlemen uh, featured in the, in the bios there. So uh, you learn a little bit about those of us who are writing the articles. So yeah. When we'll be adding more as time goes on, um, more voices from the community on different topics. So, yeah, no, that's yeah. great. It's going to be great. I'm, I'm very excited and sort of along with the blog, um, you know, this podcast is coming out. We've even got some other projects that are in the works as well um, mm-hmm. that are going We to just be really had a cool. live event. Yeah, we just had a live event. Um, mm-hmm. We had uh, Debbie Baumgartner interviewed David Burlin, um, who is a modern hymn writer, which was really interesting, um, which you can go back onto our Facebook and our YouTube page and, and check out all of our live stream events. And I know that we are going to be having uh, live stream events in the future as well. Um, I know mm-hmm. Tiana is already planning more. Um, mm-hmm. Tiana Coleman, one of our, our leadership team, one of our, our pastors here, um, she's uh, really, um, she and our, our other, uh, one of our other pastors and leaders, Andrea Spicer, have been very instrumental in leading our, uh, our position of justice uh, in the church and in our community. Um, and, and yeah, uh, it'll be great to have uh, those conversations and to talk with those people. It's really exciting stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, and come, it, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, so If you've been to any of our events in the past, we used to host a lot of like book launches or have speakers, usually over in the Wilson Abbey. Um, This is just a continuation of that. Uh, We're just doing it um, online, doing the live stream so you can uh, tune in, ask questions. Uh, We love to interact um, with the audience. And also we hope in the future to be doing it live and in person again. Mm -hmm. Uh, but for now, this is the, the format we've had to take. So bear with us as we try and figure out the technical difficulties 
of live streaming but i i honestly only i didn't had not heard anything about uh his book before i didn't have any idea who he was i i never met him before um and honestly not a super huge fan like I don't know a, lo- a whole lot of hymns. It's just not something I ever grew up learning about. But it was actually really interesting mm-hmm. to learn about, like, the history and the theology and his process and, like, yeah. how he came to, um, you know, basically that's, like, his life's work now is teaching mm-hmm. it and and writing them. And so you should definitely, if you weren't able to tune in, you should definitely go check it out. Um, it was actually a really interesting um chat that they had so yeah i'm i'm looking forward to the next one yeah no absolutely um and it's it's really great because a lot of the people that we're talking with are people that we've as a community have had relationship with for a long time and you know in in our conversations with them are really an extension of our own friendships and our Mm -hmm. our own uh life together that we've had with these individuals and you know where god is taking them and you know, and how we as a community um, can introduce others to them, to their work, to what God is doing uh, with them and through them. Um, so, yeah, it's the, these, these events are really great opportunities, I think, um, mm-hmm. to learn something and, and to really expand our awareness of what the church uh, is doing uh, and, um, yeah, and how we can interact with those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think also just supporting people in their callings. Mm-hmm just mm-hmm. being able to, to say, Hey, like I, I, sometimes you don't always have that interface with people, like when yeah. you put something out into the world. And so I think it's really special that, um, that when we host people in this capacity, it it's automatically, you have this like backing that you can see immediately and you're like, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. What a confidence booster to, yeah. to know that you have this group of people behind you kind of thing. And so that is something that I thought about yesterday while we were you know, uh, chatting with him. So yeah, yeah, it was really neat. Yeah, it was great. Um, really enjoyable. Um, so yeah, so coming up, uh, we are going to be interviewing Andrew Winter, who is the CFO of Cornerstone Community Outreach. For those of you who don't know what a CFO is, the chief financial officer. Uh, so Andrew mm-hmm. does all the books and does all the finance and manages a lot of the finances uh, for mm-hmm. Cornerstone Community Outreach, but uh, we'll let him tell you guys a little bit more about that himself. So uh, coming up is Andrew Winter. Thank you. So glad to be here. Uh, glad to be a part of this podcast series you have. All right. Well, thank thank you for joining us. I know that you have a pretty busy schedule and you wear a lot of hats uh, over at CCO. And so I just like to ask, like, what do you do over at CCO other than being just the CFO? And what does that mean? Right. The CFO, right. That's such a generic title. It doesn't really encapsulate hardly anything that I do, uh, which is the same for most people working in nonprofits. Um, so, you know, my day could consist of actually bookkeeping, uh, you know, or kind of staff meetings, uh, IT work, uh, sweeping and mopping, hauling food, um, and anything in between. A lot of turning things off and back on again, like Sarah and I were joking <laughs> about. Um, yeah, when, you know, you're working in a nonprofit, um, specifically one that is for people who are experiencing homelessness, it's really about what do the people need. And so, uh, though I do have like administrative life, I try to focus in on what today can I do to help the people that I'm working for. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so, and you mentioned that you serve people who are experiencing homelessness. Mm -hmm. And so what, what does that mean? What, what does CCO do uh, in? Sure. Yeah. So uh, Cornerstone uh, is a provider of shelter uh, for families and individuals experiencing homelessness. Uh, and what shelter means in the city of Chicago specifically is a 24 hour place to be um, wherever you come from uh, temporarily, you can stay with us. Uh, and when you're with us, this is your temporary home. You know, it's a, a, it's a place to be, whether it's a, like a dorm room for families or like a, a cubicle style bed area for an individual, um, you know, three meals a day, any kind of hygiene and clothing needs that you might have, we help meet. Uh, and then all the steps to help you go from where you are to housed again. And it's very individualized. You know, each person has their own kind of life goals or, you know, job and, and uh, education goals. And so we uh, our case management staff really work with you to figure that stuff out and then connect with other organizations to meet some of those needs too. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the shelter model in Chicago. Yeah, yeah it, it's interesting the point that you bring up, you know, that everybody, every case is individual. I mean, everybody, everybody has their own story. And, you know, experiencing homelessness is only a part of that story. And, you know, and trying to, you know, see a person as a whole and their story as a whole in how we um, help them move along in their life and in their story. You know, we're, we're just a small part of that and helping them get back on, you know, they're right. on track. So like mm -hmm. each three of us here uh, mm -hmm. have totally different needs and would have different goals necessary mm -hmm. to get housed again, whether it's childcare for young children um, or uh, adult uh, needs or like teenagers. I have teenagers, so they'd have different needs mm -hmm. than like a, a newborn. And so mm -hmm. it really is individualized uh, like that. Mm -hmm. And how many people do uh, is served by CCO? How many people mm -hmm. do you have there? Yeah, uh, typically we have the capacity to provide for about 330 people. Um, you know, there is a change right now because of mm -hmm. how we've adapted to, to COVID. Uh, we have less people staying with us um, to meet better social distancing uh, requirements. So right now we're around 200 people that we're providing shelter for. And that's a mixture of, like I said earlier, families and individuals. It's about 50-50. Half of them would be family, uh, half would be individuals. Um, in the families program, um, you know, it, it could seem smaller than it actually is, but we're providing shelter for what would be about 40 families. Wow. You know, when, when you're used to providing it in a shelter setting, the number can seem smaller than what it actually is. Imagine 40 full houses of people, you mm. know, temporarily staying in a shelter. So um, though it's, it's 40 families, those, those families could have anywhere from, you know, one child to multiple children. Um, and that's where part of that flexibility of being able to meet their individual needs comes in. If you're a family with one child, that's easier than six children, you know? Yeah. 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 And you mentioned too, that COVID, like we're, we're in this period, this strange period in our history, um, you know, with COVID and, and how that affects, like people are still experiencing homelessness, you know, even in the midst of the pandemic and the needs may be even more so. Um, and so how is what, you know, moving through this pandemic, how is that affecting CCO and how you uh, meet the needs of those who are experiencing homelessness? Sure. Yeah. You know, no one is, is at this point immune to, to COVID. And I don't just mean, you know, biologically because of the, the infection and the disease, but I mean the economics and the impact on our daily life, whether it's 
someone who works in a business that is, you know, deemed non-essential or closed or reduced right now, or their income loss uh, in other areas. So there is a rise on homelessness in individuals who probably would have been stably housed before, um, but now their income has dropped. Um, and la- uh, lack of income is one of the largest reasons of homelessness. And so there's an increase in that sector of people who need. Um, there is an increase in affordable housing at this moment that the city has worked on through the CARES Act. Um, they're trying to raise up 1,200 new units of affordable housing in the next year. Wow. So it's a big move. Um, and it's helping a little bit, you know, in, meet, in meeting the new need. Um, and, but how it's affected, uh, you know, every individual is really different. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's medically, you know, some people mm-hmm. can recover well from something like uh, a COVID uh, virus. Some people don't, just depends on their own bodies. And so there's a lot more people who are struggling with health issues than before. And especially mm-hmm. in the, the population that we serve, a lot of them are already medically uh, fragile. And so mm-hmm. this hits them even harder than it may someone who's in their own home who has access to, to ready healthcare and may already be attending to their you know, medical needs. Yeah. Um, uh, how is this also affecting, like you guys are basically frontline workers. Mm-hmm. You know, you are in a position where, you know, you, you have to um, uh, go and do what you're doing because there are people who are literally experiencing homelessness as we speak and in this moment. And for you guys just to stay home is not an option. Um, and so you guys are frontline workers. And so how is that affecting you guys, uh, like the staff, the case workers, um, you know, those who are doing, you know, the day-to-day jobs, you know, the, the custodians, the, you know, everybody who's involved, like, how's this affecting you guys? Sure. I think the way it affects uh, our staff is really the way it affects everybody. It's that, um, enhanced kind of anxiety around the risks of, of COVID, whether it's, you know, possibly contracting it or, or not knowing if you have it and possibly, you know, um, infecting someone else. Uh, and, and when you are a frontline worker, there's different levels of that too. Like someone in an ER or in a nursing home, you know, is more interacting with uh, other medical needs. And so people who have, um, pre-existing medical conditions, this hits them much harder. Mm-hmm. And so those frontline workers are there providing the direct kind of like nursing home care or medical yeah. care. Uh, and then, but the, you know, as you referred to frontline workers at Cornerstone, that would be like the case management and, and all of our mm-hmm. program staff who are there to provide the direct care for the residents. And uh, we aren't all trained in the medical field. Something like a pulse oximeter, which reads your, you know, oxygen levels and things like that. So it's mm-hmm. a pretty basic tool, but if you're not trained in it, you don't know what to do once you've read those numbers. Yeah. And so for the, the staff at a, a shelter that uh, isn't yet a medically integrated shelter or that provides shelter-based healthcare, it, it's a field we're not experienced in. And so there's mm-hmm. a greater sense of fear around not caring, not knowing how to care for the people. Not that they don't care, so correct that, yeah. but... Yeah. not knowing how to care best in a pandemic and what are these, even a temperature for, you know, taking the temperature of an adult versus a child, what do all these things mean? Mm-hmm. And so one of the big changes is trying to bring the education and new relationships from uh, healthcare providers to the shelters, yeah. you know, so that way you can kind of reduce the fear through knowledge and education. Yeah. And I know at some point, um, 
at the beginning of the pandemic, we really did partner with some health organizations mm-hmm. who, um, you know, were very active in um, the care of uh, the people who were living at CCO and different things like that, and even our, our workers. And so, yeah, uh, trying to make those steps and educating ourselves, but also bringing in folks who are educated in those areas, you know, in order to bring care um, to uh, the residents of, of CCO. Um, right. So, I can yeah. speak to that too. There was a really um, powerful rapid response from the Chicago Department of Public Health and the Department of Family Support Services to really bring immediate care to the shelters. Mm. Knowing that these individuals are at a higher vulnerability risk um, and knowing that this pandemic will affect those in that situation, they really moved to bring both testing and then response care uh, to those who may test positive. Mm. And then alongside public health and family support services came um, some federally qualified healthcare centers like Heartland Alliance, and Lawndale Christian Health Center to really be on site then as that shelter-based healthcare. And, you know, it's, it's an honor to have them there uh, because they bring such experience and skills that can complement what we're doing. And they are actually increasing their, their services um, throughout this last nine months to really be providing consistent on-site and public health is, is really kind of stepping that up through some grants to those FQHCs like Heartland and uh, yeah. it's been a great partnership. Well, that's awesome. That's great to hear. Um, and, you know, just hearing that, that the medical needs of, of people who are experiencing homelessness are being met and, you know, and that they're, they're receiving care uh, in that way. You know, it's great that we, that we can be a part of that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the um, CCO can, can sort of be uh, at the front line of that um, and bringing that care and, and, for those who are in a very vulnerable place in their life. Um, well, so. we've known the need for, for many years, right? Anyone who's been in the, the shelter uh, services realm has known mm. this for a long time, but the, the kind of um, marrying of the, the industries, the health and homelessness together has been a hope and evidence need for a long time. This pandemic has just made it more evident to more the general space. Uh, and because homelessness really is a health issue, you know, um, and mm. it's also a uh, kind of mental health and behavioral health issue where being, uh, experiencing homelessness is a trauma in of itself. Mm-hmm. And we see a lot of um, increased need for mental health services through this time, too. So also someone like Heartland uh, is, you know, able to bring those services to shelters like Cornerstone. Uh, and across the city, there's about 70 shelters of varying sizes. And one of the goals is to bring those same services to all the shelters in an equitable way. Uh, though Cornerstone is one of the larger ones, there's some small shelters that need those same services too. Mm-hmm. So the knowledge of the need has been there. And now there's a more public sector evidence of the need. And the response has been really, really good. So what can people do uh, if they want to help, uh, if they want to interact, if they want to, uh, or even if they know somebody who's experiencing homelessness and need someplace uh, to go, you know, so what, yeah, what do you need uh, as workers, uh, as um, an organization, um, and how can people interact with you guys and help? Yeah, let me really kind of break apart that question into the two pieces. There's the, if you are experiencing homelessness now, uh, you'd call 311 if you're in the Chicago area and they have a response system there to help you get access to shelter or even ev- eviction prevention. 
Um, but how can one help Cornerstone? You know, it costs $25 per day per person for us to run the shelter. Uh, we are well funded by the city of Chicago, but we still need to raise around five or $6 per day uh, per person um, apart from what they give us. And, you know, the more we try to meet the needs of those who are medically fragile, there are facility upgrades that we have to do to the space, maybe to make it more ADA compliant or add in more separated uh, bathroom facilities to address the um, infectious disease control issues uh, and really be able to adapt to how the need grows in Chicago or changes, you know, whether it's families who need shelter uh, or individuals, there's always uh, changes there. Uh, so you can help by financially supporting Cornerstone, uh, but also on our website, there are uh, ways you can support us with in-kind donations. Um, distance learning and telehealth are two kind of newer things to everybody. Uh, and imagine what you would need, you know, a, a laptop or a good tablet and good Wi-Fi um, is the same thing that our families and individuals need too. So you could contribute uh, new or reasonably new electronics but always the need for hygiene and linens, um, whether it's again, donated in good condition uh, stuff, or you could check out our Amazon Smile charity lists. You can buy it new directly from Amazon, have it shipped to us or any store, whether it's Walmart, Target, whomever, just it's coordinated through Amazon easily. Um, and then uh, just stay in tune with our social media. You know, there's uh, needs presented through there, how you can support us uh, or know the events that are going on. Like for example, if there are, um, group races and events this year in 2021. Uh, we'll be running the Chicago Marathon uh, and some other events too. So check that out with uh, Team CCO. Uh, unfortunately, volunteerism is harder these days, um, but uh, just stay in tune because maybe there's some small opportunities throughout the year. Um, a lot will be affected by how the vaccine gets distributed and, and if it works, you know, hopefully yeah. it does because it's good for all of us. Is there any way that people can uh, support you guys as frontline workers at the shelter or just frontline workers in general? Is there anything just that you've noticed uh, in doing the work, any sort of support that people can give you um, as a worker? Uh, I think um, being dialed in to the need across the wherever you are, you know, uh, every area of a city, whether it's like us on the north side or the south or the west, have unique needs and challenges and be uh, an advocate for equitable support in all areas. You know, a lot of the effects uh, medically that we are seeing have to do with systemic racism in our economy and, and our and different areas of our society. So be an advocate for change for equity is what I would mm -hmm. say. And that's a big broad stroke. Mm -hmm. um, but you, if you dial into your neighborhood, your community, you can find ways to do that. Um, and whether it is supporting Cornerstone directly or any organization that is really supporting those in need, that's how you can do it. So then we know that we are really all in this together, mm -hmm. uh, even though we may be tan uh, doing it separately at different entities, we are doing the same work together. Um, maybe send, if you know someone who's a frontline worker, send them an encouragement card, you know, um, that helps, you know. Mm -hmm. Great. So shifting gears a little bit, um, how did you come to work at Cornerstone? Um, I, how long have you been in community? And yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So my uh, kind of length of time at Cornerstone and my length of time in community are very similar. Uh, mm -hmm. I came to the community in December uh, and 
just before the end of December, I started working at Cornerstone. Um, what, year, what, what year was that? <laughs> uh, it was 1994. Uh, mm -hmm. I came in December of 94 uh, to visit for a couple of weeks. Uh, I had my 18th birthday um, while I was visiting. And um, then I started working at Cornerstone pretty much the day after my 18th birthday. Mm -hmm. um, and I haven't stopped working there since. So you can do the math, uh, figure out how many years that's been. That's how long I've been in the community and how long I've been at Cornerstone. Uh, you know, I was an 18 year old kid, so I had no idea what my interests or, or skills or giftings were. Uh, so I just, I had the honor of, as I, you know, grew up and learned what my skills were, I got to just do more and find things that I enjoyed doing, uh, both in the community and at Cornerstone. Yeah. So it's been a couple of years now. <laughs> hey, you're coming up on your anniversary too. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. December 26th is when I started working at Cornerstone. So 1994, so that'll be what, 26 years. Yeah. Yeah. What did it, what did it sort of look like back then? Uh, so it being the community and the shelter, I'll comment on both of those. Um, I walked into what I've, I've said, and, and most people wouldn't really agree with these words when they're on the inside of it, but a really professional community. You know, it was a community that was really, it knew who it was. It knew the service it wanted to give. You know, it had an operating shelter. It, it had music ministries. It had you know, uh, discipleship and, and, you know, church outreach ministries happening. And then just the community living itself, how to kind of coexist in one building that you, um, your friends live in, your pastors live in, your meals are served in, and you invite your family to visit, you know? Um, so it's a pretty professional community. Um, unless you were already living there, probably didn't feel like it. Right. Um, the shelter was newly renovated. Uh, it was just finishing its renovation actually. Um, and at that time it was a shelter just for moms with young children, which is the first shelter that Cornerstone uh, had that really the Jesus people had started years before. Um, and it was wonderful. You know, I was an 18 year old kid, kind of like going to college, living in a dorm room with other guys and really just experiencing this new um, life. You know, I, I came from a, a the country up in Canada, you know, I don't even say small town because I lived on a small farm far away from the small town. So to move into uh, Chicago sounded overwhelming, but really I was moving into a small town, you know, like three to 400 people who, you know, maybe all didn't know each other as, as good as um, I had thought, but everybody knew of everybody and understood and supported each other, even in, indirectly through cooking a meal or, you know, where they worked or where they served was a lot of connection. So it's very exciting as a young guy to move into something like that and um, just be offered the opportunity to try stuff. You know, I worked in the dish room for a while. I worked with a, a paraplegic individual uh, for a while, um, while also doing overnights at Cornerstone. Um, so a lot of kind of human interaction experiences that I got to partake in. And then once the computer world got opened up to me, that was a whole new thing, you know. Um, I have a great friend named uh, Dave who really helped me learn the ropes on that. So just being in a place where you've got this kind of huge range of experiences and expertise and everyone being willing to kind of like invite you into that was, was really rewarding. Mm -hmm. Now, long-term community living isn't for everybody. So what would you say was your reason for, for continuing to stay um, for as long as you have? What was a the motivation there? Yeah, so 
it's a long story that I'll shorten down into on a specific day, a traumatic but small incident happened to me where I got punched in the head and I went, no fault of my own. And I went to the uh, hospital and I brought a book with me that we we're doing as like a Bible study. And in there, it was really challenging you to put down roots somewhere, wherever it is, just put down roots. Sometimes it's where you are. Sometimes it's where you feel like you should go, but put down roots somewhere and then grow there. So at that time, I really felt like I need to just put down roots. Do I know that I'm going to be here, you know, fast forward to Andrew Winter now, 26 years later? Well, no, but I knew I wanted to be here for, you know, a little bit longer. So I just started those roots. And when those roots started to grow, I started to end up in relationships, you know, friendships that have lasted this whole time. Um, and so what really led me to stay was relationships, you know, um, and I think that's anywhere you would go, anywhere you plant roots. If you really planted, that's where you'll find your relationships. And as, you know, relationships change, as, you know, as I grew up, as, as people move to new callings, new areas of Chicago or the world, um, new relationships built. And so just that ability to be in proximity with people and able to build relationships was so evident in this format of community. And it's available everywhere. It's actually just easier when your neighbor lives down the hall from you uh, and you can kind of interact with them in many ways, you actually get to know them quicker. And that, that's a beautiful thing to really get to the heart of relationships without the um, decoration of society per se, mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, we only see each other at a movie or, or at church or at the restaurant, you know, where you're distracted by these other things. You can actually really just get to, to the meat of that relationship quickly. And it's, it's way more, um, uh, not way more, but this, it's quicker to get to that supportive place too. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I think that's what kept me was this ability to be in sustained relationship with many people. And it's very supportive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's also not super common for, for people to have a job for as long as you've had a job. So like normally it'll, you know, might try a little bit of this, a little bit of this, you know, just kind of go wherever the need is. So what's kept you at Cornerstone? Uh, I've always been willing to go wherever the need is. You know, that, that goes back to why I even ended up at Jesus people to begin with. I just wanted to serve something, something bigger than myself, something that wasn't about me. Right. And that's when I was recommended, excuse me, to check out the Jesus people. I had no idea what community meant. I had no idea what a shelter was. Again, small town, right, where I grew up. Um, but really just being willing to serve wherever I felt called to go. And um, sometimes that calling comes from a trusted friend recommending somewhere. Sometimes it's a TV commercial. Who knows? Right. Um, mm -hmm. But so for me, I've been open to do whatever. Uh, for some reason, the need has been exactly where I am for all these years. Um, every job is challenging. Every job uh, also gives you the opportunity to grow into more skills. Um, so it's an honor to have been able to be in the same place for that long as a job. Uh, if I was a city worker, I'd be almost retiring, right? But uh, I think at my age, it's too young to retire. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it is. Uh, everyone I talk to... Uh, outside of a few community members, really just actually a few people I know anywhere, no one stayed that long in a job. Yet at Cornerstone, there's about seven of us who have been there 
for 24 or more years, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's just such a, um, uh, an honor to be there and it's such a rewarding thing. You know, you're just giving your, your day to help people who you can help, right? I'm there to work for these people, whether they want me or not, right? Uh, I'm there and I just have to really do my best job and, and know that if I have, then I've honored what God's called me to do. And that I'm really honoring what the community has uh, set up for us to be able to do. Yeah, that's great. I know I, I'm really grateful for you there uh, mm-hmm. that you've stayed and uh, for all the different hats that you wear um, there. It's a, uh, you're just such a blessing every day. And I, I really uh, enjoy working with you and, well, and all you. of the, the Japuza members and caseworking staff is just amazing to be a part of that team. Um, and be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Yeah, um, exactly. And well, like I, sorry. No, go ahead. I would say, you know, I when I'm there, who's my boss is a question sometimes, right? Of course, the executive <laughs> director is my boss, right? And and the right. board of directors, which, you know, uh, full disclosure, Nathan Cameron is on yeah. the cornerstone board of directors. Um, but really who I work for is for the people who come into the doors that need shelter. I'm really there for mm-hmm. them. And also for the case managers who directly meet their needs. And so that's who I work for. And that's the job I do to do whatever I can to make that possible. Right. And mm-hmm. it's such a variety of tasks there. I think that's what keeps me um, content is, is so many different types of things. And of course I can also spend eight hours a day doing bookkeeping, which I enjoy, but then there's those days where I don't know what I did, but I know I accomplished <laughs> a lot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and like, God's really oh. put a great, yeah. I come home, like my wife is like, what'd you do today? He's like, I don't know, but it took all day. Right. (laughs) Um, But no, there's a great crew there. You know, there are um, over 80 people that work at Cornerstone, you know, and around 20 to 25, I forget the exact number are members of Jesus people. And, and the others are individuals who we have hired. And of those over 60% of them are formerly homeless individuals too. And man, what a great crew we have. People who understand the need and are so willing to meet it. And they come from all areas of life. It's not just the Jesus people, um, but it's really a heart of service that all these individuals have. And it's just, it's great. So that's why I stay there. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) So, so in being at uh, Jesus people this long, obviously you've, you've put down those roots. You have a Mm -hmm. wonderful family and, and Nate, you're a new father. So, so what is it like raising a family in community? Yeah. uh, I can imagine it'd be like in any, you know, kind of setting where you do know a lot of people. Um, Like I met my wife uh, at Jesus people. Um, she grew up there and as an adult, uh, chose to come back and, and serve too. And then, you know, though we lived in the same building, we didn't really know each other for like three years. Right. And then just through a series of friend connections and coincidental moments, we started getting to know each other. Right. So getting to know my wife and community, you know, that's kind of the first part of my family where, uh, again, you know, you see the person not just when you're going out and dressed up for dinner, right? You see them in the dinner line, the breakfast line, you see them at work, you see them at church, you know? So you, you get to know this individual pretty quickly. You can't really hide yourself from someone who you accidentally see throughout the day, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, being engaged and getting married in community, it's, it's like, it reminds me of the movie that scene where it's like um, old world stuff. Like there's a, um, 
John Wayne movie where he goes to Ireland and, and he's dating this, this woman there. And like the whole family is like uh, part of the courting. Right. And it's not, not quite as extreme as that where you're on a cart and they're walking behind you, <laughs> but there is this way more uh, family oriented life, even if they're not actual biological family, it's extended family. Right. And, and it feels like a very supportive space to, to get to know somebody. And then, um, you know, married and then having kids, we've raised both of our kids in community. Um, we have, I have two sons and they're both wonderful guys. Uh, and it was great to have a lot of um, other uh, couples who, had, who may have had kids too, who had, or who had had kids and are grown now, but experiences that you could lean on for how to be a good parent. Um, and then the kids had, you know, friends to play with. Um, you know, there is a, uh, you know, little bit less of the distance where you can get in your own home from your neighbors and your neighbor's kids, you know, um, but there's a lot of cooperative understanding around um, how to coexist as, as parents with young children. Um, there's a lot of opportunities for them with our own school and then Boy Scouts and like trips and stuff that they could go on. A lot of opportunities were kind of made by the community to, to help the kids experience more than just community. Um, you know, there's a lot of museums in Chicago and we did a lot of road trips and music festivals and stuff like that. So it was a very supportive place to raise my kids because there was a lot of opportunities. That was a lot of fun. I got to participate, you know, with campouts and, and hikes and stuff. So it was really good to kind of do that as a dad with, with two young boys uh, and watching them learn the outdoors, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, it was a good experience. You know, my, my one son, he's uh, just about to turn 18. And, you know, they're both kind of um, choosing their, their own adventure. My one son uh, moved back to where I'm from, actually, in Canada. And, and he's there and is doing well. And I'm not sure what my younger son is going to choose. But they're both very bright, wonderful kids. Uh, I think one of our hopes was to uh, teach them to respect people, you know, and, and to respect God. Um, and the rest is for them to choose, you know, um, you can teach, but you can't, uh, make them make choices. Um, but I feel like having such a supportive network around me of, um, people who are my mentors who had already raised kids, um, and just kind of walking through the muck of parenting with other parents was, was really very supportive. So, uh, good luck to you, Nate, in your uh, <laughs> many years. Um, uh, they, they're cute when they're little, that's for sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it, it has been a new experience and a lot of things. It's funny, even growing up in community and being so close to a lot of kids, a lot of parents, um, you know, you think you know what to expect and then it's not anything like what you expect. Yeah, totally. um, but I do, you know, even I, like, I, I very much look forward to, um, you know, raising my, my child or children in community and, mm -hmm. You know, and even just have that connection. Like one of the things I was born and raised in community and one of the experiences that I had, which I found extremely valuable was just even to the all different walks of life that come through our door that I was able to learn from. You know, I all kinds of people with all sorts of experience and with all sorts of, you know, interesting things and, you know, new ideas and ways to look at things. And, you know, and as a, as a kid in community, you really do get to, uh, you really do get exposed to a lot of different uh, viewpoints, a lot of different ways to look at life and a lot of different things. And um, it's, it's really great, uh, you know, to be able to, 
to have that experience. And, and again, though, like you said, you know, to really teach our children a respect of God and a respect of others. And so you're able to take all of these experiences that you have in community with all these people and, you know, and frame it with that, you know, with the love and a respect of God and the love and a respect of your, your neighbors. And I, I think that growing up in community really, really can do that. Um, and I, I know I experienced it personally firsthand. And that's one of the things I really um, enjoy about community and I love about growing up in community and that I hope to give my children um, and their experience of community. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really great. And yeah, and it's fun too. Like, even like your boys, like I've watched them grow up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, it's fun, you know, just to be able to see, you know, what God has done and, and who these young boys becoming young men, you know, and, and how they're going to go out in the world and, you know, what, what's going to happen, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, totally. choose your own adventure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that's great. And yeah. I think I don't have any kids, uh, and I'm not married here. But getting to be a part of your lives, like as these kids are growing up, and like you know, just just being around, having them on the floor, and you know, it it's just so it's such a gift. And sometimes I get in the elevator, and I'm just like, "You're growing up too fast. Stop growing." <laughs> I'm like, I can, I'm, "They're not my kids, but I can understand how you feel when you're like, oh man, that this is going by mm-hmm. so quickly.' And and some, yeah, especially with Andrew's youngest, he's just like shot up like a weed. And I'm <laughs> like, I get in the elevator, and I'm like, "Who is this person? I can't believe he's going to be 18 already. It's crazy." So, yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely awesome to be a part of that um but one thing being in community uh just like the longer i'm here and the more relationships i build with people the the smaller the world gets like just the reach and you just you find out that oh so and so knows this person who used to live here and like the world just becomes so so small all of a sudden like the reach is just it's crazy the connections that you make and and also being at cornerstone there are some uh really interesting experiences that you get to partake in so um what are andrew for you like what is the who's the most famous person that you've ever met or you know the the weirdest thing that you've uh experienced just like having been here so long what are those uh coincidences um, right, right. well fame is an odd thing uh but i'll go for the traditional form of fame right the probably most mm-hmm. famous person i met was common mm-hmm. i met him last year um through a series of nonprofits. Uh, one's called delivering good and then burlington code factory or burlington has a nonprofit too so through that and the annual code drive i got to meet and kind of hang out with common for a little bit as part of a marketing campaign of theirs. Um, that was, so that was through the shelter. Uh, mm-hmm. Through um, Jesus People, through our Wilson Abbey venue space where we rent out, I got to meet uh, Sean Penn uh, and then David Duchovny. And so it's just interesting to see these, you know, famous people, you know, but just in the real world. Um, so those are unique experiences. And, you know, I put them on the little checklist of, of that was cool. Um, you know, I, I think uh, I was up late one night when I was preparing a speech for something and I was like, well, who would be my like 
heroes, right? Uh, and, and I think my heroes are the people who, despite the difficulties they've gone through, the trauma in their life and the circumstances that are, that are in the middle right now, that they're still doing distance learning. The six-year-old, despite the fact that he's in a shelter, is still doing distance learning. Or this parent who, despite the, the loss of income and the inability to get a job because no one's hiring, is still seeking and still caring for the kids and loving them. So fame in the traditional sense, sure, common, you know, um, but I think heroes in the sense of those people who, despite the difficulties, are still really pushing through to do good for themselves and their family. So that's really what I enjoy, seeing that happen. Mm-hmm. And weird experiences. Um, you know, any of my weird experiences would seem normal to anyone, you know, uh, or at least they do to me, you know. Um, but I try to look at them as like learning lessons. Cause you know, when you're young, you just, you know, minor stupid stuff that isn't really bad, but you learn from them. So like a friend of mine and I were about to go on vacation and it was the fall, I think, and a crazy weather. And he said, let's go to the lake and jump in because it's at nighttime and let's go swimming. And I was hesitant because it was, the weather was not so good and we're going on vacation tomorrow and we get there and he's like, let's just jump in. And I'm almost about to say yes, but I'm still feeling conflicted. But then this wave, the tallest wave I've ever seen hits the breakers. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going in, right? So Mm -hmm. that discernment piece of like, just wait a second and stick with your instincts, go through gut, you know, it's there for a reason. Um, So weird things like that are, that happen are like an example for me of how to discern, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Don't rush into things and, and really seek the right wisdom before you make big choices. Mm -hmm. It's not that interesting, but that's just a thought that came to mind. (laughs) Wise words with Andrew. (laughs) Watch out for the waves. (laughs) Yeah. Watch out for the waves. There you go. Um, All right. Well, thank you, Andrew, so much for being here with us. Uh, Thank you for coming on the show and just sharing uh, some of what you do, uh, your experiences of the community. Um, I know like each one of us, we bring our own story into community. We bring our own life into community and it's a combination of all those things uh, that really is the life of our community. And so we just thank you for your contribution to that life and uh, and to that, uh, to our community as a whole. So, yeah. That's great. I'm grateful for you guys. uh, And I'm honored to be part of this community. And I'm just one of many, many people who live here and who have a story. Um, and many, many people who work at the shelter and really do amazing work there. And I'm just grateful to be part of the team. All right. Well, thanks again, Andrew. And uh, we'll see you later. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye. Well, thank you, Andrew, so much uh, for being a part of our podcast today. Uh, Thank you so much for your contribution to CCO and for who you are in our community. We just appreciate you so much. Um, We want to thank you guys all for uh, joining us today for our podcast. We'd like to invite you to like and subscribe. And uh, if you have any questions, please leave those in the comment section. If you have things you'd like to say or interject, please uh, interact with us. We we want to hear from you guys and uh, we want to respond to what you have to say about this podcast. Mm-hmm. Or if you have any topic ideas, things that you'd like us to talk about, um, or questions that you don't maybe don't want to share in the comment section, you can send them to us um, at our email, which is jppodcast at jpusa.org. Don't forget to hit that notification bell so you know when new episodes are coming out and share with your friends, leave a review 
uh, um, about our podcast so that more people can learn about it. And thanks so much for tuning in. Yep. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, please send them to us at jppodcast at jpusa.org. For more information about Cornerstone Community Outreach, go to cclife.org. And if you'd like to learn more about Jesus People, listen to our other podcasts and visit us at jesuspeoplechicago.org.